You know, every year around Christmas time, it never fails. Um, it never fails, but you always have uh, those that are excited for the season, excited for Christmas. Um, the kids definitely are because they're always looking forward to getting presents and stuff like that. And those that are in church, we are excited. Those that love the Lord Jesus, we're excited to worship him. But then there's always those that show up, you know, and uh, they, they, they want to get rid of Christmas, the idea of it. And, um, and a lot of times they would come and they would say, you know, we should not ever be celebrating Christmas because it's all pagan. Everything that has to do with it is pagan. Come on, if you're on the internet, you see them all the time. If you say Merry Christmas, they attack you in the, in the comment section. Come on, amen. Only me, I'm the only one on the internet. I got to get off the internet then, amen. I'll be delivered. But there's always people coming and saying Christmas is a pagan holiday and this, all of this and all of that. And I'm not going to try to explain the, the, the origins of Christmas and all of that today. You can just have fun, go and research all of that. But what I do know is that Jesus was born. And why they chose December 25th in early church history, we can argue that another time. Don't matter to me. All that matters was that Jesus came. Yeah. Amen. And so uh, uh, I celebrate the fact that the risen Savior had made an appearance into this world. And one of the things they always do is they always try to take scriptures. And uh, I just found it interesting. As, and to, to be honest with you, how this sermon came about, I was thinking about something. Because one of the big deals, and in, in, uh, where was my, my brother Vince? For me, <laughs> I got I got for, for many years, we've argued over many things. And one of the things we always laugh at, because we've had many discussions with many people, uh, people always come and they say, you know, y'all putting up a Christmas tree? And they would say, the Christmas tree is pagan. You're serving the God of fertility. And one of the scriptures they would jump to in the Bible, and they would say, Look at what the book of Jeremiah 10 says. And they would say, see, oh, so some of y'all are affected by it. And I've seen many believers not put up to today. Let me get this out the way. My goal is not to make you put up a Christmas tree or put, take yours down. I don't care. You do what you do. I'm going to do what I do. But I, I, before I start my message, I do want to read Jeremiah 10 to at least, I believe as a pastor, I should bring some clarity to some things around this holiday. Amen. And don't worry. We're not going to spend our day talking about all this stuff. But in Jeremiah 10, they always say, this is speaking about a Christmas tree. And, and we should never have one in the house and all that stuff. Right? Um, in Jeremiah 10, let's go to it. This is what it says in verse number one. It says, hear what the word of the Lord says to you, people of Israel. This is what the Lord says. Do not learn the ways of the nations. Do not do what? And who's he talking to? Israel. Because we know Israel had a problem. Israel, we don't do this. Israel alone do this. Church people don't do this. They look out at the rest of the world and they want to do what the rest of the world does. We don't do that at all. No, no, no. We serve Jesus wholeheartedly. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Israel had a habit of doing that. They would look at the nations of the world and want to follow their customs and practices. As a matter of fact, that's how they ended up with a king. They were directly ruled by God through prophets. 
They looked over and saw the rest of the world had kings and said, guess what? We want a king. And God often had to warn them, don't follow what the nations do. So what do the nations do? Here's one of them. Uh, do not learn the ways of the nations or be terrified by signs in the heavens, though the nations are terrified by them. For the practices of the people are worthless. So the Bible says that God says to Israel, follow me in context, don't follow the nations. Their practices and their rituals are worthless. Then he says this, they cut a tree down out of the forest. Hmm. Uh-oh. <laughs> Got to go home and get rid of my Christmas tree. And a craftsman shapes it with chisel. Mm, that part didn't happen. I mean, I don't even have to go further. Who shapes a Christmas tree with a, a chisel? The most you do is, y'all don't even cut a tree. Y'all go to Walmart and buy one. <laughs> right? They cut it down and they shape it with a chisel. Now, if you get a slick talk and say, see, y'all buying them trees and y'all putting them in your house and shaping them. That's not what that says. He shapes them with a chisel and... It's a craftsman, which means they're cutting wood down, and it's a craftsman who is taking the tree and forming something out of it. And what exactly is he forming? If you read on, you'll see. The craftsman, he chisels it. They then adorn it with silver and gold. Uh-oh. How many of you put silver and gold on your tree? I would like to come to your house. If you have real silver and gold on your tree, I'm coming to your house and I'm sitting next to your tree. And when I leave, the fruits of your tree would be gone. You see, what, 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 what can happen is if I put a Christmas tree in front of you and read this scripture, you'll think it's a Christmas tree. But if you don't read in context what's happening, that's oftentimes when we read the Bible, what we do, we take 2022 things and we force some of these ideas into the Bible. This was literal gold and silver that they put. So what's really happening here is they go into the forest, they cut, they, make, they take wood, and they begin to, like what we would do with wood, carve the image of a god or an idol. And then when they finish carving it, they would then adorn it with gold or silver. This is not talking about the same thing in your house. Amen. I'm not saying go get one, but I'm just saying, Jeremiah 10, you got to do better. All right. Amen, somebody. Y'all with me so far. Don't worry. We're going to have fun today. They adorn it with silver, with gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails so it will not totter like a scarecrow in a cucumber field. Anybody ever seen a scarecrow? Now, a scarecrow does not look like a tree anymore. A scarecrow is an image of a person, but doesn't move. And so what the Bible is saying is the nations would go into the field, cut wood down, and create idols. And God says, now this here, this part here is almost mocking them. Because he says the idols, what they create, are really like scarecrows. And what's the job of a scarecrow? They stand there, and the crows believe they're real. But those who know, know they're not real. 
I mean, unless, you know, you're from New York City and you happen to drive in a field and you see a scarecrow, I might, I might bug a little bit. Amen. But for those who grew up on a farm, you would know these crows really believe that's real. And so this is almost mockery, what God is saying here, because they, they make these idols and they actually, like the crows, believe those idols are real. Do you follow what's happening here? And so he says, uh, like scarecrow, the idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Now, when was the last time you, you ever sat and thought a tree could walk or speak? Do you see the progression? The chiseling of it made it into a human figure that they believe has the ability to walk or speak or actually communicate to them. Do you follow that so far? Uh, they can do no harm, nor that it can do any good. And then verse 6 says, no one is like you, Lord. You are great and your name is mighty in power. Who should not fear you? Who should not fear you, king of the nations? This is your due among the wise leaders of the nations and in the kingdoms. There is no one like you. They are senseless and foolish and they are... and." And are taught by worthless wooden idols. So sometimes all you got to do is read on and you're going to be all right. Now, I'm not here to, to, to you know, people always say, well, that, that ain't why we, we, we against Christmas trees because it represents fertility. Well, I don't know if the Bible says trees represents fertility. That might be another religion that came up with that idea. And I want you to know God is not counterfeit anything that was ever stolen was originally stolen by the devil amen. amen now my point is not to tell you run out and buy a christmas tree you know you in your family have to know why you do what you do and be led by the spirit of god there are many things that creeps into christianity there are many things that christianity do indeed copy but i do know that jeremiah 10 you're gonna have to do a little bit better. As a matter of fact, if you put up Psalms 115, Psalms 115 verse 1 is a correlation to the same scripture. Look at this. It's almost identical. It just don't got the trees part. It says, not to us, Lord, not to, uh, not to, not to us, but your name be the glory. Because of your love and faithfulness, why do the nations say, where is their God? But their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. The Bible is definitely against idolatry. That's what it's straight up saying here. And anything you make an idol becomes your God and God is against that. The title of my message this morning is The Christmas Tree. In case you didn't know. And like I said, I'm not here to talk about any of... I'm not even talking about the tree that you got in your house that... You decorate one year, I put up a Christmas tree in the house, and it was one of those self-lit tree. 
I almost killed myself. I felt like, see, you're following the pagans. Try to plug the thing in and then, never mind. My whole family laughed at me. Lying there almost dead on the ground. The title of my message today is The Christmas Tree. Let us pray. Father, I thank you and I pray that you'd bless your word and move among us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. In the book of Genesis, in the book of Genesis, the very first thing God made before he made the man and he called light and he called everything, he creates a garden. And he decorates it with trees. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And he put trees and he said, these trees are going to bring forth fruit that will sustain mankind. Then he gets to the middle of the garden and he puts two specific trees there. He puts one that he calls, the Bible says, the tree of life. And we see this word utter throughout the Bible, the tree of life. The tree of life. In Proverbs it talks about your words can become a tree of life. And by the time you get to Revelation 22, the Bible ends with trees of life. The Bible says in the book of Revelation at the end that on the side of the water, the river that flowed from God, that flowed through heaven, that brought the water of life, on both banks were the tree of life. A tree can't be on both banks. And the Bible says its fruits and its leaves were the healing of the nations. To all my brethren them. It don't mean that. And those who are laughing know what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is a total hood church. Amen. <laughs> I'm trying to get different people, Lord, but you keep sending me the ones who know what the trees are, the healing of the nation mean. <laughs> It don't mean that. Something is happening in the Bible. And the Bible says that God gave the man and the woman he made specific instructions. You are to eat from every tree. That's a good deal. That, that everything he made is for your enjoyment. And he says, but there's one tree that you should not eat from. He didn't tell them not to eat from both. I don't know, and what the Bible is silent about, I stay silent. I don't know if they were allowed to eat and it was a continuous thing that as they stay connected to the tree of life, they kept on living. I'm not sure. Uh, we could debate that and we could argue theologically. I know some of you in your mind right now got the answer. You're going to email me later and say, let me explain it to you, pastor, because you don't know. I don't know. But I know that he told them for sure don't eat from one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for the day you eat from it you're going to experience death the Bible says the wages of sin is death 
And so here was the woman getting ready to do her daily routines. Because the Bible says God made Adam because he looked at the garden and there was no man to till the ground. Men were put here to work. Come on, turn to a brother next to you and said, get a J-O-B. Bible got a whole book about it. It's called the book of Job. We were put here to work. The Bible says God looked at the ground and it was running wild because there was no man to till the ground. And whenever there's not a man present, things run wild. Sometimes there's a male present, but not a man present. And if we keep living the way America wants us to live, there'll be no men present at all. Knock, knock, who's there? You can't say who's there no more because it could be they's there or that. I'll leave it alone. Can't even have a knock, knock joke anymore. Boy, I promise you they're going to take everything from me. I keep joking like this. Y'all with me today still? For those who this is your first time, it's, it's usually better. <laughs> he made all types of trees to grow out of the ground, he said to the woman who was going around doing her daily routine that they shouldn't eat. And the Bible says the serpent showed up. We have the entire Bible And the beauty in the Bible is that when you read the entire thing, you begin to understand who the characters are. You you don't understand Adam until you understand the second Adam. Some of you are like, that's why I never understand him. (laughs) You begin to understand that all of these people... there's more to them than you see and when you wonder about this creature the serpent or or who is behind the serpent you don't really know until you get to revelation because it seems that he grows into a full-blown dragon by the time you get to revelation the bible says that serpent who was in the beginning was now a full-blown dragon. So Satan himself, I want you to know that one of the biggest tricks of the devil is to make you think that he don't exist. But he is very much real. And he still wants to destroy and dismantle God's people. I don't have the answer for why he would want to do that. All I know, the Bible says iniquity was found in him. And so he came to the woman. Y'all know women always mess up. Hallelujah. Y'all don't love me no more? Come on, men. Make, make some noise for your women who hold the things together in your house. Y'all need to check on Brother Ian and Brother Julian to see if their wife have guns next to them. These, there was some unusual shouting at that part. Brother Young, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Better shout. <laughs> the Bible says.
Bible says the serpent came to the woman and says, did God say not to eat from this tree? She said, not only did he say not to eat, he said not to touch it. That's what she said. Amen. Genesis 2.8. Well, let's jump ahead because I already talked about all of that. Genesis 3, 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Now watch this. The enemy is slick because when you back up, this is how he tricked her. He said, did God say this? Very important question because can I tell you something? It's not what you know that's affecting your life. It's what you don't know. And so the first thing the enemy did was try to find out what does she know? And not just what does she know. What does she know about what God says? So did, did God say this? And once she responded, God said it. The second thing the devil does is to try to make you not believe what God says. Because if you can throw, that's why, that's why all the problems happen in your life. That's why things come in your life. Because the enemy takes the issues of your life to do one thing to your mind. To tell you your God is not real. And if he is, he's not on your side. It is the constant struggle for the believer. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. As saved as I am walking with the Lord for many years, every now and then the enemy would whisper, where is your God? When the circumstance get bigger than what I can handle and it requires faith. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. When, when, it, when it becomes something that now I have to trust God totally for, that's when I hear the whispers. Why does he make this so hard? If he's God, why don't he just show up? Why don't when I pray it, it's answered right away? Why he's got to take two weeks? Why you got to keep having faith? Why you got to be like Hannah and pray and pray and pray? Why you got to do all of this? Why can't he just answer? Am I the only one? Have you ever stood by somebody with cancer and prayed for them to be healed? And there's no answer coming? Y'all ain't gonna say nothing. Have you ever prayed for real things and it seems like heaven is not moving? And when it doesn't move the way you want, the thoughts become, where's your God? If the enemy can get you to doubt the word that you know, he's got you. And what the enemy did was make her feel. Imagine this is a woman who has access to everything. And even God himself. And he was able to convince her to not feel like she has enough. Sound like America. never enough the other day I was complaining I was talking to Bam I said, I said Bam uh, I, I was going to get back to your text but I'm struggling with this boat and I thought to myself when I left I'm struggling 
that's beyond first world problem. That's just you, you should shut up problems. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all ain't saying nothing to me in this house today. Look at this, look at this. Here's my first point to you, y'all. Here's my first point. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. <laughs> Don't become a victim of your feelings. We are a victim of a lot of things. People do us a lot of harm. People do us a lot. Of, but the one thing we are mostly a victim of is the feelings we carry. So somebody hurts you and you're going to let the hurt. You're going to walk around now and everybody who looks like the person who caught the hurt becomes a target. When the truth is they're not a target, you're a victim of your feelings. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me in this house. And many of us are victims of our feelings. Christmas time is a bitter time for a lot of people because you won't pick up the phone and call somebody because how you, I got to call them. Somebody hurt you somewhere. Somebody, somebody made you to feel some type of way. Many marriages are ripped apart. Because when, when I asked, you know, honey, when I asked you to take out the garbage, the way you responded, it... <laughs> my mother never spoke to me like that. I ain't so much. No, I'm joking. We raising a, 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 a gender. I be I be trying that on Sherry too. I be going back to Sherry and I be like, Sherry, why y'all laughing when the men do it? Why y'all laughing when the men do it? You know, I was really hoping to have a conversation with you earlier in the way you walked out and said that you could, you're you don't have time. You got a lot to do. It just made me feel like you didn't care about me. <laughs> Fellas, y'all know that don't work, right? You know, I'd be like, bro, you better man up. <laughs> but when they come to you and say that, you got to be like, yes, yes. You become Oprah. <laughs> Let me hurry up, y'all. Don't become a victim of your feelings. Because if your feelings are not based on facts, you could make a wrong decision. And this woman's feelings was not based on facts. She was feeling inadequate. And so she looked at the fruit and thought God was robbing her. And then she looked at it. It was pleasing to eyes, pleasing to intellect because he told her it would make you like God. And then she said, oh, God is lying to me. Let me tell you something. The God I serve is not a liar. And she ate. And y'all know my saying, here's my second point. You make your choices, and then your choices make you. You don't get to determine the consequence or the reward after. You get only to make the choice. And whatever choice you make, it makes you. So when you make a choice, make sure you are making one that is going to make you what you want to become. Hallelujah. Here's my third point. Never give up your access for excess. Uh, 
Never give up your access for excess. What are you talking about? She had access to God, which is everything you will ever need, for excess that the enemy lied to told her she would get. And many of us, we do that. Men, listen to me. Don't work so hard for excess that you lose access to the family you currently have. <laughs> Women, y'all work hard. Amen. We're going to be here regardless. Never give up. Never ruin the access of the things that are meaningful in your life. For something somebody's promising you. You know how many of us, listen, it never fails. Let me tell you one of the problems with Christianity in America today. Is that the enemy's tricked you into thinking money is all there is in this world. And money has become many believers God. They won't give their all to God. Because I'm too busy making money. Well pastor we got to work. Yes you got to work. But you have to have a balance because God if let me tell you something I thought about this yesterday last year we weren't even having service this time COVID seemed like a distant time away but it was only last year we were still shutting down and the economy has gone crazy in a heartbeat you can lose everything but the one thing the enemy could never take from you is your access to the kingdom and he can't take it but you can give it away Come on, somebody. Don't give up your access for excess. And they sin. Here's my fourth point. Sin isn't only doing bad things. Sin turns all good things bad. We think sin is the action. The action is the product of sin. You don't do sin. Oh, this is good right here. Y'all ready for some Bible study? You don't do sin and become a sinner. Because you're a sinner, you do sin. So that's why the Bible says you are born in this thing. I never had to teach Silas how to lie. That joker looked me in the face. At one and a half when he smacked shy in the head. And I said, Silas, you smacked your brother and said, uh-uh. That's in us. Y'all ain't going to work with me today. As saved as you are, some things give you a problem when you scroll by it, huh? Ooh, let me come out of that. Let me come out. No, no, no. I'll leave y'all alone. Like, don't mind my business. And sin ruined mankind. Sin ruined every one of us, y'all. And you see this being enacted by the very next chapter. Cain killed his own brother Abel. But you were always seeing glimpse of Christmas being prophesied. As a matter of fact, when the woman fell, the first thing God said was the seed of the woman. We know that means the offspring of the woman, but, but it's interesting because you need a seed in order for a tree to grow. And by the very next chapter, you saw how sin was ruining the world, but God was always talking about this seed that would come. I wonder if the next chapter, 
is exactly what Christmas was because she, the enemy, stepped in and tried to get the seed of the woman to kill one another. And the Bible says that Abel was a shepherd and he brought before God the best of his flock and he killed it and blood was shed. The other brother, he kept the fields. And so he brought whatever he could muster up in the fields because he was concerned about the excess, not the access. And he brought whatever. And when he saw God was pleased with the shepherd, he became mad and upset. And God says, why are you so mad? If you did what was right, wouldn't I bless you the same way? And instead of just doing what was right, he'd rather kill his brother. And the Bible says this, go read it for yourself, that he called the shepherd into the field. And the Bible says the shepherds were in the field when the angels came. And he brought the shepherd into the field. The shepherd is leaving the pastures where the sheep graze and going into farmer's territory. And the Bible says he killed his brother and the blood fell to the ground. Oh, but it didn't stop there. While in the ground, the blood started to cry out. And God heard the blood and said, Cain, where's your brother? For the blood of your brother cries from the ground. He brought him out of his terror. He brought the lamb didn't have to die. The shepherd had to leave his territory and come into foreign territory and shed. Christmas is all throughout. Oh, in case you don't know what they come on in about. The true shepherd had to leave glory and come into man's domain and shed blood. And then you read, you read on, and I'm going to pull just a couple out. You get to Moses. Moses is running from God and is calling only to run into God and sees a burning bush, a tree, if you will, on fire, but not being consumed on top of a hill. <laughs> and God says, take your shoes off. For the ground where you stand. Oh, ain't nobody excited with me today. The ground where you stand is holy ground. And God says, bring the people back here. There is a burning bush up there. And while they're down there, they're down making another choice to worship a calf. This constant choice is always there. No wonder the Bible says, behold, I set before you life and death. Choose life and all throughout the bible you see glimpses of christmas when you get to to abraham abraham goes and the bible says take your son your only son and kill him and he takes the boy up and you don't get the revelation until you get to hebrews 
If you want to know what Abraham was thinking, the apostle says that Abraham was looking for a, a home whose builder and maker was the Lord. He wasn't looking for no Canaan and Israel and all the stuff people fighting over there for. He's looking for a city whose builder and maker is the Lord. And the Bible says that Abraham figured that if he killed his son, if God is going to be a promise keeper, then God must be able to raise the son back to life. And so when the Pharisees tried to trap Jesus, Jesus said this, Abraham rejoiced because he saw my day. That's why it takes reading of the whole Bible to make a whole Christian. Hallelujah. And then you see, by the time you get to Isaiah, Isaiah says a virgin shall conceive. And you shall have a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah also says that unto you is born, for, for a son is given. Uh, uh, unto you a child is born, but a son is given. A child is born, but he's not just a child. He's somebody's son that is given. Who son for God so loved the world that he gave his only, oh my gosh, begotten son. And you see this all throughout. And then Jesus comes on the scene. Matthew tells the story of his birth. Luke tells the story. The three synoptic gospels give you a glimpse. of. But when you get the John, John bypass all the sheep and goat and the howling in the manger. John starts off by saying, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. When you get the revelation that river that flows, flows from God and his Gosh, I feel like preaching in this house. And the Bible says in, Gen in, in John that he was with God in the beginning. All things were made by him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. Then you get the verse 4. It says, in him was life. The tree of life and Jesus gets to walking around Jerusalem one day and he says crazy things that we still argue over he says this is my body unless you eat of it and drink of it you will not see the kingdom and men got up and said he crazy Ain't nobody eating his flesh or drinking his blood. And he turned and his disciples were still there. And he said, aren't you going to leave too? They said, why would we leave? For in you are the words of eternal. I thought only a tree was able to give that. And he gets to talking one day and he says, I am the vine. And you are the, but if you think in terms of a grapevine, they don't have branches. So does he mean that he is the bark? You are the trees. And I wonder if his believers then start to bear leaves if they heal the nation. 
I'm just wondering. I'm just thinking. And then he says this, unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, it won't bring forth fruit. I'm almost done, y'all. I promise you. I promise you. It's Christmas. And the Bible says he came to Joseph and says, give him the name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Christmas is proof that you and I are not alone. Christmas is proof that you and I have purpose. And Christmas is proof that you and I are loved. And I want you to know that whatever you put in your house is an ornament. God bless you. But this baby was not born to be cute decorations. He was born to die. And the Bible says that they accused him. And in the night of Gethsemane, he's in the garden. And he prays, not my will, but yours be done. And they arrested him. And they then gave him the sentence of crucifixion. And they gave him a cross, wood, a tree. The Bible says, cursed is he who hung from a tree. Saw somebody on the internet the other day, pray for me, tell me get off. Talking about Christians would know this, not the Messiah, because the Bible says, cursed is he who hung from a tree. Well, you would know why he was cursed if you knew why he hung from the tree. Because it wasn't his sins that he was carrying. He was carrying yours and mine. But you can't explain spiritual things to dead people. So don't waste time. And he was carrying his cross. And the Bible says he was beaten already. He already had a crown of thorns pressed in his head. So guess what? was already flowing from his body. Blood was hitting that tree all over. It got so rough that he fell. And another man had the privilege. He was grabbed and told, carry his cross. I want you to know to every believer, God says the same thing. Pick up your cross. And it was a privilege, and he carried it. And when they got to the hill, the Bible says they begun to drive nails into his hands. And blood begun to flow. And they pierced him in the side, and blood and water flowed. And he hung there on the cross. My Christmas tree. Is not decorated with ornaments. And the beautiful things that we celebrate now. My Christmas tree 
is stained with blood. The blood of this baby. And while he hung there, he saw the sins from the time of Adam. He saw the failures of every man. He also saw how death was reigning. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he stayed on the cross and he looked into the future. He saw those who would be using crack and cocaine. He saw them who would turn to addictions because of abuse in their family. He saw who was abused in their family. He saw who was molested as a child. He saw how sickness and cancer and all this stuff reigned over people. He saw who turned to prostitution. He saw who turned to lying and cheating. He saw who manipulated the government. He saw all of the evil we will ever do. He saw those who were hooked on pornography. He saw those who go to church and are mad at church. He saw people who get hurt everywhere they go. He saw everything in everybody throughout the future. And he said, I'm going to stay on this cross. And every drop of blood... Was a decoration that I can celebrate today. God used the cross the cross is the tree that God used to give you eternal life. That's the tree of life. You ain't getting into heaven to see any of those trees on the banks if you don't get to this tree of life. And as you get ready to celebrate this next week, I know there's a million voices that's going to come at you to tell you you want to buy gifts, buy gifts, man. You want to decorate your house, decorate your house. Do whatever you want. It's your business. Just know why you do what you do. But if you keep this out of it, then all you're doing is nonsense. This is what we celebrate. I don't have the answer for the origins and all of that, but I know the origin of this. The Savior that was born. And my Christmas tree is a cross. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today.